Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. Recording for Caroline Hillier. You wanted to record my voice because of my accent, and I assume it's because I'm a townie. That's a former colleague of mine, Bob Sharp. He's a great radio technician with a great accent. As soon as I open my mouth, someone will say, what part of St. John's are you from, buddy? Along with Bob's accent, a couple more stand out for me. Okay. There's Chelsea, my nail technician. One, two, three. What do you have today, man? My dad, Wade. Yes, could very well be. Yes, bye. Yes, I tell you, yeah. You got some wicked snow. They got a nice up in Cornerbrook, too. I talked to Mel. He said he was hit with snowblowers morning. My friend, Heather. I was appalled. I was pissed off at Buddy for calling me out on it. Now, I'm not saying that all Newfoundlanders and Labradorians have accents. When I told my colleague, Andrea McGuire, about this episode, she said, What about people like me who don't really have an accent? People are always disappointed to meet Newfoundlanders without Newfoundland accents. So yeah, a lot of us don't have that recognizable or stereotypical accent. But the way we talk can say a lot about us. It's part of our identity. It can tell you where we're from or where we grew up. It's a source of pride with a complicated history for some. But the accent is changing. As language and society is always in flux. I'm Caroline Hillier, and this is Storylines. Today, I'm taking you to Newfoundland and Labrador to talk about how that accent is changing linguistically. Words tend to be picked up and dropped more quickly and easily than like the sounds of the, the language, the consonants and the vowels. How it's kept alive in humor. And one of the first impressions I ever did was of my father on the radio. Mike Critch for the OCM News Service. Dad talked like that. You know, real towny twang. And how the accent may be making a comeback. I consciously tried to not cover my accent. But first, a little radio survey. Um, I'm, I'm talking to people about the way they speak, basically, accents and dialects. Where are you from? Uh, Beta Spear. You're from Beta Spear. Okay, yeah. what's the dialect and accent like in Beta Spear? Uh, well, it's like a rural accent, but it can be a bit um, distinct from other ones, especially with the uh, older folks. They tend to um, turn their O's into A's a lot. O's into A's. So like, like, I would say, like, it's warm out, but some of my older relatives would say, like, it's warm out, good morning, all that stuff. Hi there, you smiled at me, so I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. <laughs> um, what's your name? David Donahue. David Donahue. Where are you from? Uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. So I'm talking to people about the Newfoundland and Labrador accent. Okay. I guess you don't have one. I do not have one, no. What do you think about it? Uh, it's not as apparent as I thought it would be. Um, I had one old woman call me 
a trout. She was like, oh, me trout. And I went up to my coworkers and I was like, why is an old woman calling me an ugly fish? But apparently it's just like a common saying that you guys have. Yeah, it's like endearing. Like yeah. it's a nice, yeah, it's nice to be called an old trout. Exactly. Uh, I think it is dying, unfortunately. I feel like, you know, when we were um, younger, like in school, sometimes if you said things like saw instead of saw or taught instead of thought, those kinds of things, you'd be corrected, even though, like, in my opinion, we don't need to be corrected. Do you think that the accent has changed over the span of your lives? Sure. How? A lot of the younger people, I guess, with, with their computers and phones, they don't sound like Newfoundlanders anymore, but lots of people do, you know. Yes, you do. Yeah. And <laughs> what about you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, people now are speaking more like mainlanders, and, and uh, uh, that wasn't the way it was uh, 40 years ago or 50 years ago, as, as you may remember. No, I guess you don't remember, do you? <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. All right, so some people I talked to said that those accents and dialects may be changing. But let's ask an expert. I'm Paul Dedecker. I'm an associate professor of linguistics in the Department of Linguistics at Memorial University. And I'm speaking to you from Fredericton, New Brunswick. Paul, is the Newfoundland and Labrador accent dying? Um, I would say it's changing. Changing in the sense that we give different priorities to different words and forms and, and pronunciations. There are people who still speak with a, a total, full Newfoundland uh, accent, right? The language is still alive. It's still there. We can come back to, the, to using these forms. We can come back and, and reintegrate them into our everyday speech, into our everyday lives. And why not bring them back if we find them useful, if we find that there's a, an opportunity for them? It's, it's changing, but I don't know if it's dying out uh, yet. We can still point to something and say, that's Newfoundland English. And as long as that's possible, then it means the language is still alive. And will it be alive in, say, 50 years, do you think? I don't know. I, I hope it's alive in 50 years. So it's rooted in Irish and the English, right? That's um, right. What are some ways that we see that influence? So the lexical uh, system, the words that people use, uh, we see it in the consonants, in the vowels that are pronounced. So a good example of um, of uh, Irish English pronunciation is the uh, what we call coda L, or L's at the ends of syllables or at the ends of words. So we may hear um, people pronouncing the word hill with the, what we call a, a dark L. And, and that L is articulated further back in the oral cavity. So when we make it up that L, um, most of us will, will art articulate the back of our tongue towards the, the back of our mouth. But in Irish English, and you still find remnants of this in Newfoundland today, uh, you, you have what's called a light L. And so that is articulated towards the front of our, of our mouths. And in the word hill, it'll sound like hill, with a very clear, light-sounding L at the end of the word. So that's, a, that's an Irish-English uh, feature. As far as English goes, uh, British English, we have um, what's called interdental stopping. So you find those in words that begin or that have the sound th, the written th sound. So tin, 
you'll you'll hear uh, thin pronounced as tin. Uh, a good example is the ingressive uh, yes. So when people are agreeing to something, they'll go yeah yeah. They'll breathe in while yeah, saying yeah, while yeah, saying yes, yeah. right? Yeah, it's hard. Um, it's, hard. Fi- it's hard to exactly. Do with that. Yeah. So you find that all over Atlantic Canada, um, but you definitely find it in in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. Paul says those sounds are more commonly used in older generations, not younger ones. But he says when accents and dialects are important to identity, like they are in Newfoundland and Labrador, people will find a way to keep them alive. So even if someone doesn't speak with an accent, they keep the language alive in other ways, like in storytelling. In my own research, I'm seeing a pretty unique occurrence. So when people are telling stories that involve uh, conversations with other Newfoundlanders or perhaps customers where where they work, uh, grandparents, uh, there's a tendency to use Newfoundland English to tell us something about the, the, the speaker. In Paul's research, the most common feature used was H deletion. So instead of saying harbor, you say arbor. They also added S's to verbs like you knows I loves ya. And instead of T-H, they used T. So instead of thick and thin, tick and tin. Words tend to be picked up and dropped more quickly and easily than like the sounds of the the language, the consonants and the vowels. But but I'm still finding um, the, the the consonants and vowels being pronounced in in more traditional ways in these stories that uh, that the individuals tell. So people that that tends to be quoted quite often are grandparents. Now let's go back to Chelsea Huzzy, the nail tech. So I was having come on our house and I was sitting down to the kitchen table and. I pour myself a cup of tea and I pour out Travis' cup of tea. And I looked in the cup and I said, Oh, Jesus, that don't look like uh, the same color as what Tetley always is. So I was like, I'm going to sit across from me at the table. And I said, Nah. She said, Look to my wife. She's there eating the cooking now. I said, What'd you do, my dear? I said, Boy, red rose or what? She said, No, Jesus. I don't buy red rose right here. I never bought red rose in my life and I'm never going to. Now. You got to picture this. Grandmother's sitting across the table now. She got a cookie half hanging out of her mouth, like I just told her the world's coming to an end. In order to be disbelief, I just even asked her if she bought red rose in the house. My dear, she's tightly true and true. Good for a woman who don't even drink tea. When people are quoting others, they are they are remembering the language as it once was spoken. Um, but by doing that. They're breathing new life into it. They're bringing it into present-day discourse. How about humor and comedy? How does that keep the language alive? So I would certainly say that uh, comedy does a good job of equalizing uh, a lot of differences or at least bringing in uh, things that might be taboo or faux pas. So for a, a Newfoundland uh, or Labradorian comedian or uh Actored and in stage or um, on the screen, um, for them to take on these linguistic forms of previous generations says something about themselves that they're 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 recognizing it as a powerful uh, source for drama or for humor. Anybody can look for a YouTube video of a of say Mark Critch on uh, this hour is twenty two minutes. How's it going, you Gary? Yep. Imagine, Newfoundland got the Uber. <laughs> Me first time driving one. They don't say. I never even drove a taxi before. Hello, the youngsters, they got a name on to me. Dad's taxi, they calls me. 
On account of how it drives them everywhere? <laughs> Dad's taxi, this is. Uh, I ordered a quiet ride. Oh. Say no more, sir. Thanks. I prefer to quiet myself, hey boy. Can't stand talk for talk's sake. Say nothing, so I would. I always say it. Now, some people, they get some board of vehicles. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, we're not about nothing at all. I got no time for it. No, sorry, Bob. That's a recent clip of Mark Critch on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Mark says he's been mimicking accents since he was a kid. I think all my life I've been mimicking people, you know, like it might be the school principal or a teacher or another kid in class and that kind of thing. My whole life I wanted to, when I would watch Tommy Sexton and Greg Malone on Wonderful Grand Band when I was in the first grade, they were talking like me, making fun of things that were relevant in my life. And I wanted to do that when I grew up. I didn't want to be, you know, on Three's Company playing the the neighbor or anything like that. Or I didn't want to be in a movie. I wanted to do that. And uh, what those folks taught me, <clears throat> by example, was that, you know, we have an incredible culture. We have great things to talk about. We have our accent is actually quite beautiful. And you should never be embarrassed or ashamed of it. And it, it makes us unique. And other people wish they sounded like us. So for me... I kind of fell in love with performing in Newfoundland and Labrador accents by watching that. But uh, yeah, so I, I was doing it all my life. And one of the first impressions I ever did was of my father on the radio and his towny twang. But every generation, I think, you know, it, it sadly, the accents uh, soften a bit. But Mike Critch for the OCM News Service, dad talked like that, you know, real towny twang. Mark is still doing his father's towny twang on the third season of his show, Son of a Critch. Nobody here likes cucumbers. I do. That greenhouse is buying advertising time on the station. So from now on, this is a cucumber house. You can't grow anything here. Newfoundland is a rock. The soil is as deep and fertile as that stuff in a cat's litter box. What's a cucumber? It's a fruit. It's a vegetable. It's a dry pickle. I'll never catch you on. Well, we have a uh, a great... Um, accent coach who had worked on The Grand Seduction, uh, a film I did with Brendan Gleeson a while ago, and she had worked with Brendan. And Brendan did a very good job. Now, he was Irish. Uh, Malcolm's originally from Liverpool. And those accents aren't all that different than a Newfoundland-Labrador accent, which I think makes it a little harder. But uh, Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, who plays young me, he's from Yorkshire, England. And his actual speaking voice is quite proper. And he'll speak to you, and he's quite a lovely lad. And then he'll do the show, and he'll be able to uh, do this great Newfoundland accent. And people think, are shocked when they hear his real accent. And there are so many Newfoundland and Labrador accents because of the way uh, the place was populated in these little groups of where people from Waterford went to a little cove and stayed there, and they kept that accent for you know uh, generations. I think there is no one true Newfoundland accent. So when people say, what is one? Or there, there isn't. It, there's, a, there's a hundred. All right, time for a quick break. Storylines will be right back. Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack and it'll make you laugh, cry, 
and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. Here again is a bit of my dad and his accent. Well, you was down, you get a ride down the point, I suppose, and you had the old one going outside. Oh, yeah, no trouble to get down. What's the wind? Northern, northeast. Yes, could very well be. Yes, bye. Yes, I tell you. Yeah. So as you can probably tell, I don't sound like my dad. Growing up, I lived in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Nova Scotia. And when I was 10, I moved to rural Newfoundland. And I remember the exact moment when I thought, man, these accents are so cool. I was hiking or climbing this rock with my new friends, and one said, Put your foot on that there rock. Put your foot on that there rock. That night, I went to bed repeating that in her accent. Put your foot on dat dare rock. Put your foot on dat dare rock. Well, the accent didn't stick, at least never that thick. But I do use the language when I'm talking about others, like my dad. And as Memorial University linguist Paul Dedecker says, that's an act of preserving what at one time could have been erased. There's, you know, about 40, 50 years ago, there was a lot of a sense of suppressing the local varieties of English, saying if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to get a good job, you can't speak this way. Teachers were trained uh, as part of their education degrees that when they went back to their um, uh, outport communities, that they have to ensure that the students they're teaching don't perpetuate these uh, traditional features. So teachers would be actively involved in the erasure of of the Newfoundland English, the Newfoundland uh, dialect. Um, And so that's completely different than what we have now. In fact, they're probably encouraging it to to come back by saying, you know, think about your history, think about your culture, uh, be true to that uh, part of yourself. Um, and so you, 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 do, you will find uh, a resurgence of pride in, in local tradition. Okay, so storytelling, humor. Um, in what other ways can we keep the language part of our identity? Uh, having a, a CBC show like this where we're talking about these old forms and, and mentioning the archives for, as places where we can go and listen to uh, what, what uh, English used to sound like. Or, or These archives are, are, are relatively new. And so if we have forgotten about uh, what Newfoundlanders sounded like two generations ago, uh, we, can, we can go back and listen to them. We can go, we can go back and find uh, what, what someone's grandparents or great-grandparents might have sounded like. Paul's referring to Memorial University's Folklore and Language Archives. These are my favorite um, recording, what would you even call this, method. Cassette tape? Cassettes. Um, my name is Nicole Penny. I am the assistant archivist with Munn's Folklore and Language Archive. We have thousands and thousands of audio recordings, uh, mostly with uh, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians on various topics of folklore and folk life. So, okay. so this is one of our finding aids. We keep all of our original materials in a climate-controlled vault, and these are tape cassettes. Um, some of them that go back to the 1970s, 1980s. And so we are going to listen to a few of these. And these are oral histories that were conducted with community members by uh, past folklore students. 
So um, this is Wilfred Skinner Jr. And he is talking about church concerts. And he is from Portobasque. I remember, uh, were there some people in the community, like in Richard, who were always in the concerts? I mean, were you always, were you in them? Mostly. Yeah. And, uh, they all appeared to you know, man, we all went to eat, wait. She'll be the real thing down there, I think. Yeah. So, and she, she was glad to hear it, remember, because she was that kind of person, you know, yeah. for sport. Very outgoing and so on, yeah. Yeah, for sport, yeah. You know, that's the only thing that was there. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. entertainment, yeah. there's nothing else. They were talking there. You walk the rules for, for late study. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hopefully on them, you yeah. know. Now, were these common even when you were younger, when you were in school and so on? Would well, you be having them then, too? Well, I remember that yeah, uh -huh. yeah, I see. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's an example of one of the ones that I would have to listen to a few times uh, to understand. And uh, yeah, so the accent here is always changing. Um, if you go back and you listen to, say, oral histories with people in the 60s and 70s who were in their 80s then, um, they will sound very different from somebody in that community now. And um, we all, a lot of Newfoundlanders and a lot of people with accents do something called code switching. So if you're in a more formal environment, your accent might not come through as much. And a lot of the time that is on, done unconsciously. And I think that happens a lot, especially with Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. But I uh, consciously tried to not cover my accent as much. And so let's have a listen to James Colburn. So all one winter I was going around with a salt shaker in my mitt. Froze on it was. I used to be chasing the crows with, with the salt shaker trying to shake salt on their tails because they always wanted one. One day George came home. He had a baby crow he'd robbed out of some out of a crow's nest. So he gave me the crow and when I got it reared up it was my pet. Everywhere I'd go the crow would be always around. So after a while everybody used to call the crow Jim and he used to call me Crow. So that is how I got my nickname Crow. Those tapes show the history of Newfoundland and Labrador English, but what about the future? Here again is linguist Paul De Decker. The, the course I teach at Memorial University is called Language in Newfoundland and Labrador. And the one, one of the questions I love to come back to year after year is um, the, the word mozzie. You know, what is the, do you know what mozzie means? The unfortunate situation is that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are, um, over time, losing that sense, losing that word. Um, mozzie, you know, when I first started this, this survey 15 years ago, we, we had a lot more people uh, who understood what mozzie meant. Um, now it's very rare. You might find um, a small percentage of people understanding what it was or what, what the word is. Um, 
but a lot of people just plain out saying, "Nope, never heard that word before." Uh, and these are these are Newfoundlanders that are born and raised in in Newfoundland. Um, so it's uh, it's unfortunate, but I if I have one mission um, as far as Newfoundland English and Labrador English is concerned. Um, I'd love to bring back uh, the word mozzie. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who doesn't know, mozzie is like a, a drizzly, foggy kind of weather. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's like a gray, overcast, uh, can be foggy. You know, when we when I look at uh, words that are being used less and less and people not knowing what mozzie means, um, the, the whole dictionary of Newfoundland English, it's not, tr- it's not the case that everybody... At one point in Newfoundland, Labrador knew everything in the dictionary of Newfoundland English. This is this is put together from a lot of different sources. Um, perhaps you know some words were more common than others, but it's not the case that everybody knew and spoke everything that was in the Newfoundland English uh, dictionary. So we we have to we kind of have to see that language is diverse and English is diverse in in the province. And if we are speaking. Um, something like Newfoundland English in 50 years' time, um, it won't be the same Newfoundland English that our great-great-grandparents spoke. Um, it will be it will be different. And we didn't really talk about uh, migrants to uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, but believe it or not, migrants from uh, other countries, speakers of other language, they keep the language alive too. They They borrow, they adopt these... Uh, Newfoundland English features. Um, you'll find uh, speakers of uh, Indian English or Pakistani English saying "Yes, bye." I, I had a had a student who did some research on Pakistani English in um, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Their English, the, when they spoke uh, with others, um, was full of Newfoundland English features. So. If Newfoundlanders aren't speaking Newfoundland English, maybe new migrants to Newfoundland uh, will be. That reminds me of Erica Trujillo. She's a woman I once interviewed from Mexico, and she learned English in rural Newfoundland. Yes, bye. <laughs> yes, we do have a really a little Newfoundland accent because we learn here. Uh, I don't learn. I didn't learn English in a school or in any part of Canada, any other part of Canada. I just learned English in Newfoundland. That's all for Storylines for today. Paul Dedecker is an associate professor in the linguistics department at Memorial University. Thanks to Paul and to everyone who shared their voices with us for this episode. It was a lot of fun to put together. When's the last time you heard someone saying, go home, your mother got bonds? It's fun to like whack on the Newfoundland accent. I'm going to leave you be. Take care now. Bye. Today's episode was produced by me, Caroline Hillier, with support from my pal, A.C. Rowe, who's the producer of Storylines. Now, if you enjoyed today's show and you want more East Coast documentaries, I've just started hosting and producing a show called Atlantic Voice. It's the home of East Coast documentary storytelling. So if you like Storylines, you're going to like Atlantic Voice. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, CBC Listen, or wherever you listen to your Storylines podcasts. I'm Caroline Hillier. Thanks for listening. 
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.